Long History Henry Hudson Voyage 3.3 Trust and Betrayal The Locals, the French and the Greatest Cods Ever Seen How did New York's famous river, the Hudson and Canada's vast Hudson Bay get their names? Find out about Henry Hudson's four historic journeys here. Hello everyone and welcome to Long History. This is the place to be if you want to listen to the source documents of history. In this document we're covering Henry Hudson's diverse voyages and northern discoveries. It contains four voyages, during each of which Henry Hudson was hoping to find a passage to the Far East. On this, the third journey, he's reached the North American coast, somewhere around today's Newfoundland, and is now heading down that coast. There are 25 parts in total to this source document. Each episode should stand on its own, but of course the previous episodes of this series will just be a few taps and clicks away. And please don't forget to subscribe to be informed of the remaining episodes in this document. The structure of these four voyages in particular is very strange. In voyages 1 and 2, there haven't been too many dramatic events. But now with voyage 3 well underway, Henry Hudson's more famous explorations begin, leading to those dramatic events at the end of his explorations. In the previous episode, Henry Hudson had reached the coastal areas around Newfoundland and had begun to head south. In this episode, he explores the area, coming across some local people who he invites on board. At one point in this episode, Robert Jewett, one of the sailors on this voyage, who wrote the account of this particular journey, mentions speaking with a Frenchman who was fishing on the bank of Sablon. And according to a footnote in the text, this is a place in today's Mahone Bay, south of Halifax, on the shores of Nova Scotia. This is Henry Hudson, Voyage 3.3, Trust and Betrayal, The Locals, The French, and The Greatest Cods Ever Seen. The ninth, Fair, Calm Weather, we lay becalmed all day and caught some fish, but not much, because we had small store of salt. At three of the clock in the afternoon, we had a gale at south-east and south-south-east, and we steered away westerly. Our compass was west and by south, half a point south. At four of the clock, we sounded and had but fifteen, seventeen and nineteen fathoms on a fishing bank and we sounded every glass. Then we could get no ground in five and twenty fathoms, and had sight of a sail on head of us. At noon our height was forty-four degrees twenty-seven minutes. We stood to the westward all night, and spake with a Frenchman, which lay fishing on the bank of Sablon, in thirty fathoms, and we saw two or three more. The tenth, very misty and thick weather, the wind at southwest, a fair gale. We stood to the southward and made our way southeast and by east. At twelve of the clock we sounded and had eight and forty fathoms. Again at two we sounded and had fifty fathoms. And at six of the clock we sounded and had eight and forty fathoms on the end of the bank. Again, at eight of the clock at night we sounded, and had no ground in eighty fathoms, and were over the bank. 
So we stood along till midnight. The compass varied 17 degrees to the westward. The 11th. Very thick and misty weather. At 12 of the clock at night we cast about to the westward and stood so all day and made our way west-northwest. We sounded at 12 of the clock but had no ground. So we stood to the westward all the forepart of the night and sounded but could get no ground in 50 or 60 fathoms till midnight. Then I sounded and had ground at 15 fathoms, white sand. The twelfth was very foggy. We stood our course all the morning till eleven of the clock, at which time we had sight of the land, which is low, white, sandy ground, right on head of us, and had ten fathoms. Then we tacked to the southward, and stood off four glasses. Then we tacked to the land again, thinking to have rowed under it, and as we came near it, the fog was so thick that we could not see. So we stood off again. From midnight to two of the clock, we came sounding in twelve, thirteen and fourteen fathoms off the shore. At four of the clock, we had twenty fathoms. At eight of the clock at night, thirty fathoms. At twelve of the clock, sixty-five fathoms, but little wind, for it deepened apace. But the near the shore, the fairer shoaling. The thirteenth. Fair, sunshining weather, from eight of the clock in the forenoon all day after, but in the morning it was foggy. Then at eight of the clock we cast about for the shore, but could not see it. The wind being at south by our true compass, we steered west and by north. At noon we observed, and found our height to be 43 degrees 25 minutes. So we steered away west and by north all the afternoon. At four of the clock in the afternoon we sounded and had five and thirty fathoms. And at six of the clock we had sight of the land and saw two sails on head of us. The land by the water's side is low land and white sandy banks rising, full of little hills. Our soundings were thirty-five, thirty-three, thirty, twenty-eight. 32, 37, 33 and 32 fathoms. The 14th, full of mists, flying and fading the wind between south and southwest. We steered away west-northwest and northwest and by west. Our soundings were 29, 25, 24, 25, 22, 25, 27, 30, 28, 30, 35, 43, 50, 70, 90, 70, 64, 86, 100 fathoms and no ground. The 15th, very misty, the wind varying between south and southwest. We steered west and by north and west-northwest. In the morning we sounded and had 100 fathoms till four of the clock in the afternoon. Then we sounded again and had 75 fathoms. Then, in two glasses running, which was not above two English miles, we sounded and had 60 fathoms, and it shouldered a great pace until we came to 20 fathoms. 
Then, we made a count, we were near the islands that lie off the shore. So, we came to anchor, the sea being very smooth and little wind, at nine of the clock at night. After supper, we tried for fish, and I caught fifteen cods, some the greatest that I have seen, and so we rode all night. The sixteenth. In the morning it cleared up, and we had sight of five islands lying north, and north and by west from us, two leagues. Then we made ready to set sail, but the mist came so thick that we durst not enter in among them. The seventeenth was all misty, so that we could not get into the harbour. At ten of the clock, two boats came off to us, with six of the savages of the country, seeming glad of our coming. We gave them trifles, and they ate and drank with us, and told us that there were gold, silver, and copper mines hard by us, and that the Frenchmen do trade with them, which is very likely, for one of them spake some words of French. So we rode still all day and all night, the weather continuing misty. The 18th, fair weather, we went into a very good harbour, and rode hard by the shore in four fathom water. The river runneth up a great way, but there is but two fathoms hard by us. We went on shore and cut us a foremast. Then at noon we came aboard again, and found the sun to fall at a south-south-west sun. We mended our sails, and fell to make our foremast. The harbour lies south and north, a mile in where we rode. The 19th. We had fair, sun-shining weather. We rode still. In the afternoon, we went with our boat to look for fresh water and found some, and found a shoal with many lobsters on it, and caught one and thirty. The people coming aboard showed us great friendship, but we could not trust them. The 20th. Fair, sunshining weather, the wind at southwest. In the morning, our scoot went out to catch fresh fish half an hour before day, and returned in two hours, bringing seven and twenty great cods with two hooks and lines. In the afternoon, we went for more lobsters and caught forty, and returned aboard. Then we espied two French shallops full of the country people come into the harbour, but they offered us no wrong seeing we stood upon our guard. They brought many beaver skins and other fine furs, which they would have changed for red gowns. For the French trade with them for red cassocks, knives, hatchets, copper, kettles, trevets, beads and other trifles. The one and twentieth, all misty, the wind easterly. We rode still and did nothing but about our mast. The two and twentieth, fair sunshining weather, the wind all northerly. We rode still all the day. In the afternoon, our scoot went to catch more lobsters and brought with them nine and fifty. The night was clear weather. The three and twentieth, fair sunshining weather and very hot. At eleven of the clock, our foremast was finished and we brought it aboard and set it into the step and in the afternoon we rigged it. 
This night we had some little mist and rain. The four and twentieth, very hot weather, the wind at south out of the sea. The forepart of the day we brought to our sails. In the morning our scoot went to take fish, and in two hours they brought with them twenty great cods and a great halibut. The night was fair also. We kept good watch for fear of being betrayed by the people, and perceived where they laid their shallops. The five and twentieth, very fair weather and hot. In the morning we manned our scoot with four muskets and six men, and took one of their shallops and brought it aboard. Then we manned our boat and scoot with twelve men and muskets, and two stone pieces or murderers, and drave the savages from their houses, and took the spoil of them, as they would have done of us. Then we set sail, and came down to the harbour's mouth, and rode there all night, because the wind blew right in, and the night grew misty with much rain till midnight. Then it fell calm, and the wind came off the land at west-north-west, and it began to clear. The compass varied ten degrees north-north-west. The six and twentieth, fair and clear sunshining weather. At five o'clock in the morning, the wind being off the shore at north-north-west, we set sail and came to sea, and by noon we counted our ship had gone fourteen leagues south-west. In the afternoon, the wind shifted variably between west-south-west and north-west. At noon, I found the height to be forty-three degrees fifty-six minutes. This evening, being very fair weather, we observed the variation of our compass at the sun's going down, and found it to be six degrees from the north to the westward. The seven and twentieth, fair, sunshining weather, the wind shifting between the south-west and west, and by north, a stiff gale. We stood to the southward all day, and made our way south and by west, seven and twenty leagues. At noon, our height was 42 degrees 50 minutes. At four of the clock in the afternoon, we cast about to the northward. At eight of the clock, we took in our topsails and our forebonnet, and went with a short sail all night. The eight and twentieth, very thick and misty, and a stiff gale of wind, varying between south-south-west and south-west and by west. We made our way northwest and by west seven and twenty leagues. We sounded many times and could get no ground. At five of the clock we cast about to the southward, the wind at southwest and by west, at which time we sounded we had ground at seventy-five fathoms. At eight we had sixty-five fathoms, at ten sixty. At twelve of the clock at midnight, fifty-six fathoms, grey sand. The compass varied six degrees to the north point to the west. The nine and twentieth. Fair weather, we stood to the southward, and made our way south and by west a point south, eighteen leagues. At noon we found our height to be forty-two degrees fifty-six minutes. We sounded oft, and had these, sixty, sixty-four, sixty-five, sixty-seven, sixty-five, sixty-five, seventy, 
175 fathoms. At night we tried the variation of our compass by the setting of the sun and found that it went down 37 degrees to the northward of the west and should have gone down but 31 degrees. The compass varied 5.5 degrees. As mentioned in previous episodes, sometimes it's the gaps in Henry Hudson's text that are most revealing. Henry Hudson appears to be unwilling to trust the local people he meets without giving us any actual reasons. And then he almost casually mentions that they go on land and sack one particular village, insisting that the locals would have sacked them first if they hadn't attacked. In the next episode, Hudson continues heading south, reaching the location of today's US states of Massachusetts. Thank you for listening everyone, if you've made it to this point of the episode please do like it in whatever way you can. Please before you move on don't forget to subscribe to be informed of the remaining episodes in this series. Thank you for listening and goodbye.